Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always. Uh, for those of you new to the Greatest Games Podcast, this is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. It can be their time as an assistant coach, a head coach, a CYO coach, a B-team coach, a third grade coach, whatever they want, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest game. A third grade coach. I love that when you, you stepped out on that one. That's something new. I love it. And well, isn't today, that, Wasn't that Coach Stoneman's story? Wasn't, wasn't he really? coaching third grade, his I, I, first coaching? That might have been right. That might be right. That's a callback to previous shows of the greatest games. I love it, Chris de Blasio. I love it. So today we're going back to New Jersey. It's been a couple of a couple of shows since we've been in New Jersey, and today we're going to Passaic High School and welcoming in Paul Pamikala, who just finished his second year at Passaic High School. Welcome in. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Chris. Great to be uh, part of the show. Thank you. Well, Brian, we always talk about this. This is a, this is really exciting because I think this is the first true show where neither one of us know the guest. We have no pre, we've had no previous relationship with you whatsoever. So, Paul, we're not trying to make it awkward or anything like that, but, uh, you know, right out the gate, so, hey, we don't know you now. <laughs> that's, that is the truth, and it's truth, and uh, we're glad to have you here. As, hey, any chance I can talk about basketball? Uh, I saw the podcast. Thing. I reached uh, – Chris reached out. I reached out back immediately saying this would be a great opportunity. Uh, again, during these times, too, where you don't have too much contact just to talk about what you love. That's what every – yeah, all the coaches have said the, sort of the same thing. Like just a chance to, to BS about hoops with anybody, you know, is always a fun time. Well, your journey, Coach, has been, uh, has been really interesting. I appreciate you sending in the notes like you did. So if you could take our, our listeners through your coaching resume with stops along the way, just a little bit about your journey, we'd love to hear it. Sure. About uh, 11 years ago, I started coaching AAU basketball in Morris County. Uh, became very successful quickly. I won a bunch of championships. Um, and then I got my first teaching job in Jersey City. And, you know, being in Jersey City, I thought, you know, just like how I reached out to Chris, let me reach out to one of the best high schools in the nation with Coach Bob Hurley. And I uh, sent an email to uh, the school, got an email response immediately right back. I said, sure, come to a practice. That's fine. Um, Went to my first practice. I was the only one in the gym, and I'm like, am I in the right place? Next thing you know, Coach Hurley walks in, made one of his players get me a chair. We talked for about 15 minutes, and I became the uh, assistant JV coach um, after just 20 minutes. And when I thought I knew basketball again, like I said, I was successful as an early AAU coach. I really didn't know anything about basketball until um, I landed at St. Anthony's High School in Jersey City with uh, Bob Hurley. It just the the mental game and just the physical game he put these kids through and just the work ethic that these kids really went through made me just like and I wasn't getting paid so I was staying there in Jersey City till seven eight o'clock at night and again I'm so happy to be married to the woman I'm married to to put up with that but <laughs> I it, it was unbelievable um, I was there for three years we won um, a national um, state championship uh, tournament champions um, championship. Um, from there, I went to the College of Morris County Division II uh, Juco School because I was at the time too, 25 years old. I was thinking about going down that college road and really pursuing um, a college um, 
coaching career. Um, and it was good. I loved it. But something about that high school coaching, uh, I really missed. I really missed just working with high school athletes and getting them to that step. I feel like college, we were getting kids who were coming in, and it was great. Like I said, I had great relationships, great coaching um, staff there. But um, I missed that high school feel. So I got um, an opportunity to work with Coach Bob Hurley's um, assistant coach, who's now head coach, Ben Gamble, who's been very successful in New Jersey. Um, we went to uh, Cardinal McCarrick in South Amboy, where I was his JV coach. We went to a school that won seven games in three years, and we won 21 games in our first year. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, after our first year, because of cuts and the way public, uh, Catholic schools are ha- what's happening in New Jersey, um, it closed after one year. We were there. Um, so after that, I reached out to another colleague of mine, uh, Ryan Hagen, who's at the Paul Catholic. And I was his varsity assistant for four years. DePaul Catholic's in one of the toughest conferences in New Jersey. It's Don Bosco, Bergen Catholic, St. Joe's of Montvale, uh, Paramus Catholic, which is they're usually one of those teams are in the TOC uh, every year. Uh, and then I had the, got a teaching job in Passaic, a coaching job opened for the varsity job, and I'm going into my second season. And it just, it, it's been, like you said, a, a crazy journey, but I, I wouldn't change this journey for uh, anything in the world. Well, I hope you don't leash your cars because you put some miles on them. <laughs> uh, no, after, especially after AAU, I haven't leased the car and probably, <laughs> I, no, I never. No, I, I never leased the car in my life. I have to. Driving all over, Jersey City, South oh, Hampton, New York, Delta. Pennsylvania. Coach Hurley t- Coach yeah, when Coach Hurley tells you to go scout a team in New York or Pennsylvania, you don't say, uh, I don't know. You know, you, you grab your things and go. So so talk about, uh, obviously, Coach Hurley, and then you work with Gamble and, and Hagen at DePaul. Talk about those mentors and maybe some things each one of them has taught you along the way. I mean, obviously, Hurley probably taught you a million things. but Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, I think, with um, those coaches were they were teaching without, I feel, realized they were teaching. Um, the way they put in the work, the way they taught to the kids. Because I went from being an AAU coach that maybe got a technical every other game to just a teacher of the game. When a kid did something wrong, call him over. And, that, and that's the one thing, like, you, when you see, I know some of the documentaries with Coach Hurley and Coach Gamble, is these, the way they talk to the kids is just so respectful, so, like, it got to the point where the kids knew exactly what they were doing wrong. Like it got to the point where the end of the season is you would just say the name and the kid knew like, Oh, this is what I need to. And it was just unbelievable to me to almost like see, like I, I changed my whole perspective of coaching to teacher. So even now, even though my assistant coach is like, Oh, you got to get on him. You got to do, I'm like, let me, let me talk to this kid first because he may not know. I mean, a lot of, I think, mistakes, again, in my younger years is you have a kid with a bunch of talent and they just might not know the culture that, one, you're trying to put in or the culture the next seven. Because like I said, when I was in college, I got a, we had a great division two. We had a great group, great skills, great. But they didn't understand the academic side. They didn't understand. So that was one of the main reasons why I had to want to go back to high school is to educate my players like guys you need to focus like you could be the greatest player 
like even Zions and all these great athletes, like you got to know what you're doing. Just for the business side, when if you plan on going to where you want to go, you got to know like the ins and outs of this game. So um, just the one thing with Coach, like, again, just so how much Coach Hurley and Coach Gamble cared about these kids. It was, again, like not always like, you know, the laughs and giggles and, you know, a lot of like I'm a younger coach, a lot of the stuff like pranks I pull on my players, but just the respect that he had for his players and just it, it made me a coach that let me coach these kids so they want to play for me. Not that they want to win. I want these guys to really just work hard, play, and it's not about me. It's not about their families. It's not even about them. It's about their community. It's where they live because I feel like in basketball, especially being in Jersey, where you grow up, where you live, whether you're in high school and whether you're in your 50s, you talk about where you come from and what, what mm -hmm. raised you and what made you great. And I feel like that these younger – I don't know if these, this young – younger generation realizes that. I think you said an important thing there about Coach Early and Coach Gamble. You said how much they cared about their players and their players knew that. I always say that it's probably not the greatest thing to say. I say you can MF a kid up and down mm -hmm. if he knows that you genuinely care about his well-being. And if kid knows that, then you can yell at him in practice. And it doesn't – he doesn't take it in a negative fashion. He knows you're doing it because you truly care about it. And I mean, I mean, Bob Hurley's track record with that is unblemished. Absolutely, one of the one of the funniest memories I remember is with uh, we had Kyle Anderson when I was there, and again, me being I was 25 years old, I'm like, this kid is unbelievable. <laughs> but Coach Hurley would never let him know, and, he, and Coach Hurley would say that he he would say, "Oh my God, this kid's got to be this kid's." And again, the one great thing about St. Anthony's too is we have so many. Division one athletes, and again, but Coach Hurley's main concern when I was there was getting them to college. Like you don't see too many St. Anthony's guys make it to the NBA. A lot of them play overseas, but his main goal was the education part, and that's what again, as a young coach at that time, was like, this is a game, this is important. But if they could use this game to again better their life for their future when they have families, um, is important. But the best part was when he said one day, I'll never forget, he goes. He was on Kyle like hard, like all day. And I'm like, oh my God, like, hey, coach, this kid's going to UCLA. I'm like, oh. And Kyle, like, he, he didn't say, Kyle was one of the most respectful kids, too. Like, didn't say enough, but you just tell, like, Kyle was almost having enough. And he goes, like, turns all the coaches. He's like, this kid is never going to forget this practice. Like, and sure enough, he came back the following year and, like, oh, how's college? How's everything? How's UCLA? He goes, you said it was great. He goes, and we're like, oh, how like tough? He goes, oh no, it's tough. Like the workouts are tough. But he goes, when it comes to the prices, he goes, it's just after those prices with Coach Hurley, they're not too bad. <laughs> I started cracking up. But again, it was not disrespectful. He was just every little thing. Like Kyle, again, we're in a pickup. Kyle stepped over the line for the inbound, blows the whistle. Nope, do it again. And Kyle just looked at him. He goes, made everybody run. I'm like, you know, just for the inbound and a pickup game, I was. It was unbelievable, but that's the mental stuff that just builds that. If you can't deal with that as a player, like what do you got to deal with when you get a foul call that you don't like and this and that, like like the little things like that. I just my mental capacity for coaching just exploded when I was there just for that short time. We we bring him up a lot on this podcast, mostly because I, I love it. him to death. <laughs> but but with Frank Martin is is my guy. Like he. He is that type of coach too. We'll, we'll, we'll go by and watch practices, and 
he, I, I believe that he wants to make that practice so hard that when it's a game time or when those guys move on to play professionally or whatever, it's just like, like you talk about, they, uh, the kids will look back and say, well, this is not that bad. And, you know, University of South Carolina on the men's side to make it to the final four a couple of years ago, like for us, the, for me, it'd be a diehard Gamecock fan, like never thought it'd be possible. But once you get those players in that have that incredible talent like you had, and they're just that mentally tough and, and physically mm-hmm. skilled, it all just kind of comes together. And uh, it may not make sense to some people that outside looking in, like, why is he so hard on me? But they always have a, a method to their madness, you know. And so that's what I hear with, with, with Hurley there, too. So now you mentioned in that answer about, about, you, about getting technicals as a young coach. And I, I love so much of that answer. It really just it shows your growth and the trajectory of your growth as a coach. So talk about if you've got a fun technical story or maybe even your first one and maybe what you've learned through those, through these, those times of being a, a, maybe even a change belief as a young coach to now, I mean, you just, you just threw out a bunch of change beliefs there, but uh, any, any kind of fun story around, around a technical, maybe some things. Uh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure I could write a story about that, especially about the youngest, but um, as an assistant coach with Ben Gamble, it was our first year at, um, Cardinal McCarrick, and we were playing an away game at another parochial school uh, down there. I'm never going to forget that, again, me and Coach Gamble are coming from Jersey City, where the rest will tell you to shut up and sit down. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're coming. So I'll never forget where it was one game, Coach Gamble just said, oh, no, and just put his hands on his head. I know you can't see my hands on my head. And just put his hands on top of his head and just shook his head no, and they teed him up. And he just turned around to the bench. He goes, did this <laughs> just team me up? And I started cracking. I'm like, I can't believe they teed him up. Like, like this is a varsity basketball. He just put his hands on his head and like that. And I'm, I'm never going to forget that. But um, last year in the Passaic County um, quarterfinal game, we were playing Passaic Valley. Um, again, a school that was close to us and stuff. And I got my first technical of the year. And, again, this was at the end of the season. I literally stood up just looked at the referee and go, I just totally disagree with you. I go, just totally disagree with you. And he said, oh, yeah? And then, again, part of the side that I grew up, I'm like, I got my chest big. Yeah. And then he teamed me up. I'm like, and then I yelled out, you baited me. <laughs> I, literally, I have my wife yelling in the back. Like, she baited you. I'm like, dang, he got it. And then I go to my kids. I go, see? You see what happens? I was not mentally tough for one second. Look mm-hmm. what happened. Mm-hmm. So I tried using – that that time was a teaching moment, but I was so pissed. Damn me. <laughs> no, so but that is you're exactly right though. In that yeah. Yeah. And screw the Passaic Valley coach, Jim Hallsworth, that little bum. <laughs> I've known I've known Jim since the day he was born. So he's a good guy. He's a tough he's a tough coach down there too. He was he was a hell of a player. I don't know if you remember when yeah. he was Pagoda. He was a hell of a player. Little guy but could score and shoot the hell out of the ball. Trying to That's get him on the podcast, Rosefield, but he's very reluctant. Okay. We'd love to make it happen. <laughs> That's the one thing about the Passaic County coaches. We all, like, during the games, it's a quick handshake, nothing. But, I mean, we're usually – when we're at the meetings, it's always usually, like, a lot of fun. You know, we, like like how it is now. We usually – like how you are. We always bust balls. And, you know, yeah. Coach, talk about – and you've talked a little bit about it, but especially now you've had two varsity seasons. You're going into your third. How do you define success – for each team that you have? And is it different? Is it the same? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, the two scenes that I've had have been, been very, um, very, very different. My first year, I went 3-19. and 19. 
And at the end of the season, you know, like every coach, I'm just like, you know, first year, as a varsity coach in general, I'm like, was I ready? A lot of doubts, a lot of questions. But then, again, going to where my roots are, what I believed in, I'm like, you know what? Second year, I made it very clear for everybody. I went with more character guys than skill guys. So we went 18 and nine this year. And I think the younger side of me would have kept more talent. But the reality is I have a community that is unbelievably full of talent. But as a coach of, you know, of players who do not have that much success, I need to realize, teach them that as long as you're a good person, you want to work hard, I can help you. That's all I could do. I tell these, uh, I told the parents, I go, because you look at my resume, I've been very, I, I taught coach in four different counties, college level, national powerhouses. All I can do is, as a teacher, like think about it, when you go to school, the teachers don't just give you A's, you, they work with you, they give you the tools, they teach you little, you know, like my dear Aunt Sally tricks, you know, to get you where you want to go. And that's what I'm here for. If I don't think they're going down the right road, if I disagree with you, I'm going to let you know. So when it comes to, you know, the success, my whole, after the two seasons, it's character over skill. And I have a great administration that believe in my um, philosophy. They're all for it. Um, the community wasn't as into it as first, but then they're seeing, and again, <laughs> You've been to a Passaic game, you're right on the bench, you hear what I'm saying, and I'll take you out of the game for a dirty look. And again, that's the St. Anthony, almost St. Anthony's uh, morals and values, but in a different setting. Okay, like again, I have to worry about eligibility. Again, I have different um, areas of basketball where I'm not used to. I have to call the, you know, making sure kids are handing in assignments. Are they, we set up study hall just to make sure um, they're um, going in the right direction. So my idea of success is, as a coach, is where your players go. You know, if you're winning championship after championship, but your kids are getting locked up or your kids are going down the wrong path, like, as a coach, that those, those championships don't mean nothing. Like, I'd rather win 18 games. We made it to the semifinals this year in the counties, quarterfinals, and states. Um, if my kids are all going to college now and they come back and say, you know what, Coach, like maybe we could have won, we could have done this, but you know what? Look what you've done with your life. That, to me, um, as a coach, makes this season successful. So whatever my seniors do, when they come back to me in like five, ten years, um, that's going to really define it, you know, because, again – I always tell my kids, too, this is a game. Guys, this is a game. We could play, you know, Yahtzee. We could play cards. We could do this. It's a game. There's winners and losers. But what this game could do is provide opportunities. And as a coach, look what this opportunity provides. I get to talk to you guys. I get to talk to other people that are listening about basketball. Again, just this is a great game that just opens up opportunities to create relationships, jobs, and who knows. And that, that's what I try and stress to my players. I'll tell you, 
you, well, our listeners will know I love I love all of that answer. And I, I, I have a firm belief that the winning really does just take care of itself. We mm-hmm. approach daily business with that type of mentality, tough mental attitude, and just show up ready to work every day with some goals and, and a direction. You know, the winning does take care of itself. So just I, I do I am interested to hear how do you talk to your team before the season? Do you all set any kind of goals like, hey, we're going to win a state championship or whatever? Or do you have more process goals? Good talk to our listeners a little bit about that yeah I mean like I, I believe every coach sets goals I think the player sets goals and yeah it's always yeah let's win states let's win counties let's um when um my goal for the players this year was to finish I had about 12 seniors last year and by the end of the season I only finished with seven seniors I had a very senior base and again it was it was different things it was fan, it was I mean, I, I don't want to get into it, but it was a lot of different things. So my whole goal for the senior, I had ten, no, nine seniors this year, and my whole goal was finish. Whatever happens, finish. We lose a game, finish. And I finished with all my seniors this year. And, again, it, so some coaches be like, well, yeah, of course. But, it, it, again, coaching in the environment I coach, this was huge for me. I mean, I got the kids banners. I bought them just a bunch of things because, again, they needed to know that by just finishing this season when it was easy to quit because, I I, again, because even though that was the goal to say, you know, finish, I I always challenged them to quit every almost every practice. As soon as they didn't touch a line, another 17, quit. I go, guys, quit. It's okay because in Passaic, we're one of the biggest high schools in New Jersey, like, I mean, I have 80 players try out almost every year. I go, just, just quit. It's okay. I, I could call the next kid or whatever. And, again, it's a little condescending. It's a little sarcastic. But these kids need to know that there's got to be people like that that are not going to believe in you. But, again, the relationship that we build in the summer and in the fall, they know I'm there for them. So they know when it's time to practice. I'm not here to waste time. If you're not feeling it, you know, just, just go. No hard feelings. I'm still here for you. But, again, this is a game that just the way it developed me, I feel like it just makes that strong character. I want to coach those character guys that just want to, you know, build and just want to work. Because, again, that is going to just carry over to the next, next place in their life, you know, whether it be basketball, whether it be the workforce, military, you never know. So that, that's my big thing. Yeah. Uh, I encouraged the kid to quit this year, and he did. Uh, that wasn't the best move. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that happens too, but, you know, you got to just go. You got you to stand strong behind your decision. Be a, uh, my friend Mark Thompson always says, be a finisher in a society of starters. Mm. That's, that's, a great that's, that's a good line. Uh, so, coaches, we know the, the name of the podcast is The Greatest Game, so now it's time for you to tell us about your greatest game. We want as much information as you can give us. Bring us in there. We want to feel the sweat dripping and the crowd cheering as this great game happens. So give us as much detail as you want, and uh, we'll talk about the greatest game. Oh, that's great. This is what, what made me excited to come here. Um, so I actually reached out to some of my assistant, co- my assistant coaches about what was theirs. Um, they kind of agreed with me with this one. Uh, Clifton High School is right next door to us. That's where I graduated high school. That's where I played my sports. And uh, it's 
where my family still lives, even though my family grew up in Passaic. Um, so when one, I got the one, job, one quick, one quick interruption. Yep. We've had former Clifton coach John Santulli on this podcast. Okay, he was a Clifton he, coach for a long time. Okay, he was after me. I graduated '04. Okay, yeah. Um, that that's good. Though. Yeah, Clifton goes through some, but they have a great coach now, uh, Coach Candice. But my first year, I lost three times. Son, we lost our divisional games, which we played two times a year, and we lost them in counties. Every game we lost by 25, and they had a great team last year. Um, they graduated three really good seniors, but they still had some decent kids. So our first game of the season was to go into their place. As soon as I walk in, I see my old gym teachers. I see um, old coaches. And whenever Passaic and Clifton play in any sport, it's, it's usually big, um, big cop presence, police presence, and uh, everything. So we, I feel like we're the better team. But I think a lot of my kids were just going off the last year. We came out flat. We were just making silly mistakes here and there. It was we would win a court first quarter. They won the second quarter. It was like a two point game at halftime. It was going up and down. Um, we were actually up by two. They had the ball with 20 seconds left. I just knew. I, I turned to my coaches. I'm like, they're, they're gonna tie it up. I just the way we, we the, the way we were playing defense. And the one thing I'm le- looking at in the NBA and college too. Is whoever has the last shot, and I know it's exciting for basketball. I feel like they usually win. Like whoever has the last shot, like you really play. So I'm go, like going a little crazy. I'm like, come on, defense! Of course they get an easy layup, and I'm like, oh, because you know it, it, it's a big game. You know it's a big game. You have a first-time varsity players in it. It's going wild. So they tied up. We go in overtime. So my the first thing I do is I talk to my coaches. I'm like, all right, what do you want to run? And I feel like not just my coaches, but myself, I'm like, you know what? It, there's only four minutes in, in the overtime in New Jersey. We only have four minutes. I'm like, guys, you're going to have the ball maybe five times. Or you maybe have the ball five times. I hope score three times, you'll win this game. Right? And I had a player that came who scored 30 points, looked at me, he goes, nah. And I just go, and I just stared at me. I, yeah. He goes, no, coach. He goes, he looked at his team, he goes, and he used some language that was not the choice of words. He goes, we're going to destroy him. And, you know, as a coach, I'm like, I'm trying not to laugh. I go, you should have, but we're in overtime. So you can't destroy. He goes, no, coach, coach, we got this. He goes, guys, call, he called our play that, you know, our kind of motion play that's been working for us. Because we're going to run this, guys, and let's just keep going at it. Right? So as soon as we break the huddle, we go. My six-five center fouls out. I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm like, that's that's not good. So I put in two of my guards that, you know, maybe get about nine minutes a game, ten minutes a game here and there. Well, this was to me the greatest game because I had two or three starters out. I had one. I'm sorry, one, my point guard uh, hurt his ankle, so I put my two guys, both these kids, maybe five eight and five, six soaking wet. And I'm just like, all right, guys, go, you know, just play tough, play tough. The two bench players that I scored, put in, scored 16 points combined. And we scored 20 points in the overtime. And we beat this team by eight. And I'm, or uh, eight or 10. And I, as a coach, I'm just like, again, I, I really had nothing to do with it. And to me, talking about success, that was amazing. 
because as a as a coach, you want your you want to sit during games. I tell my players, my dream is to sit during a game the whole game, and you guys just got it. And you know, as coaches, that's 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 like impossible. You know that. But um, it was unbelievable seeing these two kids who again not starters, um, not you know the greatest. And actually, I'm sorry, the one both of them were ineligible last year, so they didn't even play last year. To play in this type of atmosphere and this type of game, <clears throat> excuse me, as a coach, just made me like feel like so emotional, so good. Again, I, I always tell the story how people say, you know, how'd you get into coaching? I coached my brother's indoor soccer team when he was in like boys and girls club soccer team, and we won a championship. And he jumped into my arms after the championship. I said that was that's that was the ticket. I'm like, this is the greatest feeling, and. After that Clifton game, and it was a regular season game, I got that same feeling. Like, after the game, like, we just – again, and it was great, too. We didn't, like, celebrate like we won the championship because, again, they beat us three times. And, actually, that was the first time we played. We played them two more times, and we beat them both by over 15 points. You know, and I'm just – it was that <clears throat> moment where I realized, guys, you could beat – you could play anybody. But the mental – going back to the mental state – is they, they they had to – we needed that win to kind of dictate the rest of the season because they beat our butts last year. And the kids that were part of it realized, wow, we, we just beat this. And that kind of opened up our season to the season that we had. But, um, again, just scoring 20 points in four minutes in the overtime, even the other coaches just said, like, that's, that's really – I mean, Coach Chris, you know, in New Jersey, 20 points in a, over like four minutes. That's it's usually 20 points a quarter, and that's a great quarter in New Jersey. 20 you know? points a half. I'll take <laughs> yeah. 20 and a half, Coach. <laughs> I mean, we have no shot clock. So yeah, right. So 20 and a quarter. Were you were you pressing? Were you guys just getting steals or turning them over on defense? Yeah. How did you get that many possessions? To get it got to the point, Coach. Yes, yeah, so like we pressed like the first part of the fourth quarter. And I was ready to take it off. I'm like, all right, we're up by, you know, five or no, we were up by six or eight. I'm like, let's let's work on the half court. But my assistant coaches and even the players like, no, keep it on, keep it on. I'm like, and we were just making heads up late. And again, those two players that scored the 16 points, they they had about two steals, three steals each. It was un- I was so proud of those kids. And the best part about it was, like, again, I have a I have probably three of my players. I have a Division One football player who's a starter. I have a kid who's going, I believe, in to uh, a JUCO school in Ohio for Division Two. I have two kids maybe playing Division Three. I had, you know, good college players. And after the win, everybody went up to these kids. Like that was just seeing that team. You know, it didn't matter who scored who because I had a kid too score thirty-two points, and I didn't even realize in that until I got home and put the stats in. No one even talked about that after the game. I'm my one player who's a starter scored 32 points. Nobody said a word about it. None of my coaches, none of the players, even the kid didn't. And it was just, it was unbelievable. I'm like, this is a, this is a special team. They're just, you know, this is a special team. Yeah. A couple of just really key pieces of evidence there to me, as you tell that story, a kid that scores 32 points. If I'm looking at his, I found a story here. If it's Antrell Monroe, yes. uh, if that's him, that scores 32 points. Um, and then another kid to come say, no, we're, we're going to destroy them. So just kind that of was Antrell as well. Okay. Yeah. So the same kid, but just, just 
all of everything that you've told us throughout this episode about the mental toughness and everything that you do as a coach now to have it repeated back to you by a kid that scores 32 that doesn't tell you, Hey coach, I scored 32, but Hey, we're going to destroy like that had to just put you on cloud nine as a coach. And, and like I said, I, we, we've been in a lot of good games, a lot of, you know, games that didn't work out, but like just me as a coach, like you always want to preach that, you know, to me, it's like, it, it's a club, it's a gang, this, this basketball stuff, you know, I like, you know, you want a group of kids that you could talk about anything with. You could, you know, talk about, you know, what they, what foods they like, what movies, the music and this and that. And, but when it comes to the basketball part is, you know, you know, coach, I'm close to scoring this many points. Put me in coach, put me in. And I usually say, when they say that, why do you want to go in? I want to score. No, we, we no. Like if they want to win coach, I could shut this kid down. I literally, if a kid tells me, coach, this player that's killing us on offense, I'm not going to let him score. Okay, go. I'm going to give you an opportunity. You got to say it, back it up. You know, that's the type of like basketball we, we try and preach here. You know, like talk is cheap with us. And I think after that game for the greatest game, like to me, and again, with St. Anthony's, I could tell you, Tom, but my first, or actually my, as a varsity head coach out of the two years that that was just one of the best nights especially again I went to the high school and it wasn't just that like a kid scored 30 points and nobody knew like that that's that to me is like very uncommon even even like without saying it kids like I had a good game I scored I know I scored over 20 or this like everybody was just hyping up my two guys who came off the bench um you know, guys who didn't even get into the game were just like, oh, this was great. This was good. I mean, everyone's so much worried about playing time. How about, and I you know I preach to my kids, you know, if we, if we win, everyone gets a jacket. Everyone gets that varsity letter. You know, I can't wait to, uh, you know, because you no know, graduation, we're having New Jersey and a lot of stuff. Like, I'm getting the varsity letters this week to go to every one of these kids' houses and just give them that varsity letter. Even if, you know, they contributed – you know, two points the whole season, you're part of something special. And I think as coaches, we got to, you know, always remind those kids, our managers. I mean, I had a great, I had kids that begged me to do the JV on JV to film varsity. And I was tougher on them than maybe my varsity guys. I'm like, if I don't like the angle, I don't like this. Just <laughs> you saw, but you know that you saw they wanted to be a part of it. And then when they're done, guess what? They never played one minute of JV. I'm giving them a varsity letter. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fair. Talk about the, the two kids that came off the bench. Now, this could happen, and I don't – well, it could happen good or bad. They could then think, oh, I came in and we did this great thing and helped us win this game. I should be starting next game. I should be a bigger part of the rotation. It sounds like you had a team where those kids, the next game, were right back to being role players, and they were totally accepting of that. Is that true? Absolutely. You know – I actually in practice I put them with the starting group and then you know as practice went on simple mistakes there simple mistakes there and again without getting on them without yelling at them I put them maybe with the second group and it's like okay like you're still doing good but if you want to be in that top group I go you had it and I would reiterate you helped us win that game without you it would have been different I tell I, I literally said that to them I go but if you want to be that guy, you got to bring it every day. And I made sure as the season went on, both of those guys started at least 
a couple games, at least start, just to let them. Because I think we got to throw our kids a bone here and there too. Yeah. If they have a great, if they have a great game, um, but as a coach, you got to be smart. You know, especially in New Jersey, we have a short season. We we'll maybe play twenty something games, and um, you know, you got to know who your opponent is. But um, again, you got to throw these kids a bone, and if they have a great game, and again, to me, that's a wake up call for the the guys who you depend on as well. Like, no one is bigger than the program. That's why I, I, I try and stress too. I go, you you could score twenty points, but if we're losing, okay, I, I want to win. So if I need twenty points, and we're down by twenty, I'll maybe put you in. You know, that's why I, I, I try and be as realistic with my word with these kids so they realize, like, yeah, it's great. I mean, last year, too, I had a – my point guard was averaging almost, like, 18 points a game, and we won three games. And he won – like, and again, I explained to him, he didn't win first team all county. He didn't win anything all county. I'm like, you got to understand, like, <clears throat> you got to win. The winning teams get the big – more picks, more respect. And um, he was a senior this year, and he definitely stepped into that role. Definitely stepped in that role. He, he, my point guard, uh, Kobe Sylvester, definitely stepped into this role this year. And um, again, not the biggest size, but a lot of heart. And again, one of the best three point shooters I've seen, too. Uh, really knocked down a lot of threes and get to the hole when he wanted. So um, again, just I think by just that conversation made him realize that, you know, you can be the best player, but if you want to get to where you want, Again, he went from only winning our – I think he got first-team division last year to first-team all-county, first-team division. He actually made a third-team all-North Jersey this year too. So, again, nice. it's, not, it's not saying you're good. It's you got, you got to win and you got to have the numbers to back up your winning. Quick note here too, Coach. Antrell Monroe jumped six foot two in the high jump, which was top 30 in New Jersey last year. Oh, my God. He, <laughs> Let me tell you something about Antro Monroe. This kid is a, a player I'm never going to forget. He's very dear to my heart. I love this kid with – just like my, all my players. But um, Antrell, again, has a, a – I think he believe, – I believe he has three Division One football scholarships right now. Um, just athletic. Just athletic um, beyond belief. Six foot two, but he's been dunking since eighth grade. Dunking since eighth grade. Um, and, again, I, I – I'm curious to see what – because I know he loves basketball. But I, 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 like I told you guys before the show, too, I've seen this kid play football. I would love for him to play basketball at the next level. But seeing this kid on the football field, I mean, only 6'2", but, man, just the speed, the agility, the strength, it's, it's quite amazing, like, to really see what this kid uh, could do. I mean, if he could handle the academics, I would love, to him, love for him to play both. But he's going to be my, pretty much my key guy next year. Um, to really be the leader of uh, – and he's going to be the leader of football, um, basketball. And I, this kid is so athletic. I don't think he was going to do track before the coronavirus came through. He was telling me how he was going to do baseball this year. I'm like, have you played baseball? He goes, yeah, when I was younger. I'm like, why don't you – like you just said, you're one of the top jumpers in the state. Was, I, I just want to see how I could do with baseball. He's that kid. Like he just wants to see what he could do. And again, I'm, I'll support this kid in anything he does, and just like all my players. But um, yeah, Antro Monroe is just one of the most remarkable athletes I've seen. And again, um, he has a lot of support in Passaic, um, a lot of people that are just giving him the great advice. I know my administration um, is working with his family, um, communicating with his family almost uh, 
once a week, just seeing what he's doing, what uh, we could do for him. And uh, he's, again, he's, and he's a kid who loves the help. He loves the Passaic family. Um, yeah, he, he's the kid could jump through the roof. That's, I just like the fact that he does different sports. I love that, that he plays football and basketball and runs track. You know, so, so few of those kids nowadays. It's exciting to see a kid. You know, I'm, I'm a firm like believer. I, I think kids need to do that. The yeah. biggest thing with me is the inju- injury uh, prevention. If you're just playing basketball, you're just working basketball muscles. I go, you know, I, I told these kids because honestly, I mean, maybe the coaches can agree or disagree with me too. All my players that usually get hurt during the year just play basketball. Antrell Monroe, last year in the Chris- we played in a Christmas tournament, went up for a dunk against Patterson Charter. He actually had a buddy on his t- on the other team, almost undercutted him, but not on purpose. It was just like the whistle blew. Antrell tried to dunk. The kid was there, kind of put his hand up. Antrell broke his hand. Antrell was back in three weeks with a broken hand. And I was just like, again, I'm like, that's a toughness I have. And again, he plays other sports. And then I have other kids, you know, that might have a little injury here, but those are the basketball. But all my players who play the other sports, my football players, I had soccer players. I have, I have volleyball players. My volleyball player, my, the volleyball player I have, Kendall Malloy, is going to be a Division II JUCO player. Possibly a Division I when he's done with it. You know, again, my biggest thing is I have a lot of kids in Passaic that um, athletically are ready to play at the next level. But the academically, I was trying to stress to all the parents, go small school first. I mean, I went to community college my first two years. To just figure it out. Just figure out what these kids want to do. They could still play, you know, <clears throat> and do that. But, yeah, um, it, 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 it's amazing the talent I have and the kids I have. And, um, yeah, the athletic ability from, from all my players, are, it's quite remarkable. All right, Coach, we'd like to end with this final question. If I talk to a kid that, that played for you and Coach Campbell down at uh, – um, what was the name of the school? Uh, McCormick? Cardinal McCarrick. Cardinal McCarrick. Cardinal McCarrick, you know – couple years ago and I talked to a kid who played for you at Passaic this year what would they say is the one thing coach Pamikala always says over and over again oh he always says this oh man is it a phrase a saying a a teaching point there's something you say you may not realize it but you do you say something I don't know what it is but you do we all do I feel like this year a lot of kids keep like they've been sending it back to me. Um, I've been saying like in my Google Classroom and remind because that's how I've been communicating is uh, don't wait to re- uh, to be great. Don't wait to be great. I feel like because we won 18 games, and I feel like especially in New Jersey too, you win 18 games, the next year no matter who you oh it's a rebuilding year next year, and I'm like no like why do we have to be rebuilding like why do we have to wait to be great? So I've been saying that a lot, and then. Um, I feel like, again, I say, okay, a lot when they like get on, they'll make back talk me and, you know, get on. Okay. Like kind of like that. All right. All right. And then all of a sudden when they come to practice, I have the t-shirts out and when, whenever they see the t-shirts, it's, oh man, it's cause I, we, we do the t-shirt slides where you put a t-shirt on the floor, push it to the end of the gym, put it to the end. And then. I'm very calm, and the kids are saying, I'm not doing this. I go, okay, don't, don't do it. It's fine. And then, coach, I want to play. No, you, you said you didn't want to do the – no. Like, I, that's – again, I think that kind of drives – what I've been realizing is 
the calmer I talk, kind of rouse them up more. As a, you know, I don't know if you guys, uh, you know, understand what I'm saying. Like the comedy talk, and um, so I would say, yeah. But I would say the biggest one is I tell my players, stop waiting to be great. Just stop. You don't feel like running that day. Stop. Like, what are you waiting for? What I mean, I, I hate saying this, and I know, again, just um, working in different districts. I mean, I mean, I've worked with kids in wheelchairs. I've worked with kids who had severe accidents and you know can't walk anymore. I go. I mean, this is God's blessed you guys. I mean, you're just walking, you're breathing, you have great ability. Just even if you don't want to do it, just do it because you can do it. You know, because there's a lot of other people. I mean, man, if I could go back 15, well, I'm aging myself. If I didn't go back 20 years, right? I I I wouldn't leave the field. I wouldn't leave the core. I, I probably wouldn't leave the gym. Just to you know get to where I want to be, you know, and that's what I try and tell my kids. Just keep working hard because you never know what's going to happen in this world. So it's a wonderful way to button up a phenomenal episode, coach. It's been so cool (laughs) to see just your answers and your story early on and to see it manifest in that game and those, those kids. And again, I just, I'll, I'll never forget that. Just uh, we're going to destroy them. And again, have that repeated back to you, all these things that you've been pouring into those kids uh, during your time there. It's just, uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you here and would love to pleasure's uh, mine guys. Yeah, Thank oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to, uh, if, if, if listeners want to get in touch with you or follow along with you, do you have anything that you'd like to share with them in ways that they can do that? Sure. Yeah. Um, you could, uh, my Facebook is Paulie Matthew. It's P-A-U-L-I-E and Matthew with one T. I think my parents were lazy when they uh, <laughs> named my middle name. So it's M-A-T-H-E-W. Um, and again, you could contact me there. Or my uh, email that I respond to the most is uh, my school email. email. It's P-P-O-M-Y-K. I'm sorry. It's uh, P. Pomichela. It's um. Let me. Sorry. I, I had such a good interview. I'm like blacking out now. Um. P. P. O. M. Y. K. A. L. A. At PasaicSchools.org. And again, I would love to someone reach out to me. I mean, one of the reasons why I did this, and I I love doing. Um. I mean, working with I did New York Knicks summer camps for the youth and just being a part of this, I would love to invite coaches into my gym. Please do not hesitate. You could just shoot me an email, contact me. I'd love to have you. And again, I would love to, you know, travel and talk to your players, do a clinic or just watch you. Cause again, it's, I, I haven't met one coach and I've been to the Nike clinics where I've seen Bayheim, Bobby Knight, um, you name it, top division one guys. And after they're done, they sit in the crowd just with us and they watch the next coach and write down what they're doing. I mean, so I would love to just, if you want me to come travel or there, just let me know. I would really enjoy it. Cause that's, I mean, if I could travel with my family, make a vacation and talk basketball, like I'm doing with you guys, Oh, that's just who, who wants anything else, you know? It's a, it's a unique, um, line of work that we're all in. We, we talked to Matt Jennings in an episode of was, was released on Wednesday and he's another great example of what you're talking about. Just always wanting to talk to somebody, read a book, listen to a practice, or, you know, just a podcast, whatever it is, is to, it's inherent in our business. And it's like, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, 
in, in real world business, how many people would just be sharing as many ideas as basketball coaches share? And we're all really competing against each other in some way, shape or form. And yet everybody's just willing to share like, Oh, this is what we're doing. This is how we do it. And so it's a, it's a fascinating, uh, a fascinating line yeah. of work. So, um, Paul Pamakala, just can't thank you enough again for, for coming thank on you the guys. show. This is a great podcast. It really yeah. was. Well, we appreciate I enjoyed it. I'm going to keep listening to you guys, listen to the other coaches. I mean, Coaches, get on this, man. This is this is great. I can't wait to hear the other stories. <laughs> we, we, we're gonna we're gonna hire you, Paul. You'll be our new PR guy with that. So that's that's hey. awesome. <laughs> well, we already got Chris. Already got North Jersey. I mean, maybe I'll go down the shore. I could go down the shore and uh, promote down there. But this is great, guys. You're doing a great job. There you go. Cool. We appreciate it. And we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. So for my co-host Chris De Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.